when a well-liked family man and baseball coach in a small North Carolina town is found with a gunshot to the back of his head, his wife claims it's an accident. But a persistent detective and the man's ex-wife believe otherwise. In the end, the truth of what happened to Russ Stagger comes from a very unlikely source. Russ Stagger himself. Hi, I'm your host Missy and I'm about to take you on a wild ride. Stories with plot twists, shocking endings, and unbelievable truths. Trust me when I tell you that this story is nuts. Russell Stagger, known to friends and family as Russ, wasn't looking for love when he met Barbara Terry Ford. Russ was a well-loved driver's ed teacher and baseball coach at Durham High School in North Carolina. He was the kind of coach who would buy his students baseball uniforms with his own money, and the kind of guy who would also decide to sell the home he and his first wife, JoLynn Snow, had shared together in order to split the proceeds after the two had decided to get divorced. JoLynn and Russ were only married for three years but they had decided to end their marriage and remain friends. It was then, when Russ tried to sell the home, that Russ met Barbara Terry Ford. Barbara, with her short blonde hair and her big glasses, had noticed the for sale sign in the stagger yard and had stopped to inquire about the home. Barbara left, deciding later to purchase the house across the street, but before she left the stagger home, she made an impression on Russ. Instead of selling his house, he decided to stay there, and he later just came into an agreement with JoLynn. Within a very short amount of time, Russ found himself infatuated with Barbara, and the two quickly began a relationship. Within one month, they were engaged to be married. As soon as Russell's divorce was final to JoLynn, he married Barbara on March 17, 1979. Russ also gladly accepted and took in Barbara's two young boys that Barbara had had from a previous marriage. Without hesitation, he would adopt the boys and raise them as his own. He would also want more children, but unknown to him, Barbara had had her tubes tied and could no longer have children. On February 1st, 1988, 13-year-old Jason Sager, the couple's oldest son, would make an emergency call to 911. He told the ambulance to come quick. His father, Russ Stager, had owned a gun that had accidentally went off. When EMTs arrived at the scene, they found Russ Stager in the master bedroom. He was laying on his side underneath the covers. Barbara continued to tell the emergency personnel that she wished her husband hadn't owned guns because she was scared of them, and she wished he hadn't kept the gun under his pillow. Barbara claimed that Russ had been hearing noises for the last few nights, and out of fear someone would attempt to break into their home, he had placed the gun underneath his pillow that night just in case. When Barbara heard her 13-year-old son Jason to get up and shower the next morning, she feared that Russ might hear him and think he was an intruder, so she decided to remove the gun from underneath the pillow. As Barbara reached for the gun, it accidentally fired, shooting Russ in the back of the head. The gun that shot Russ was a 25 caliber semi-automatic, and it was still cocked. It lay between two pillows on the bed, the barrel still pointing at Russ's head and the spent shell just a few inches away. 
When the ambulance took Russ to Duke University Hospital, he was still alive, but he was barely clinging to life. The bullet had hit Russ and passed through his brain and lodged in the front of his skull, leaving Russ brain dead. Russ Dagger would die at 12.35 p.m. He was 40 years old. When Sergeant Rick Buchanan was assigned to the case, he immediately noticed a few things about Barbara Stagger that made him uneasy. Although people grieve differently, and it's not related to their guilt, to Buchanan, Barbara didn't seem to grieve her husband Russ at all. In fact, Barbara even agreed to quickly return to the home that Russ and her shared together to do a reenactment with Buchanan. Things didn't sit right with Buchanan, but even though he felt something was off with Barbara, the case was quickly ruled an accident. Buchanan wasn't the only one who felt that something was wrong here. When Russ's first wife, JoLynn, found out about Russ's death, she immediately approached Buchanan with some information that would blow this case wide open. According to JoLynn Snow, she knew that Russ had had a gun, but JoLynn told detectives that Russ, who had been in the Army Reserves and National Guard, always kept his gun in the drawer, unloaded, and would never keep a gun under his pillow. JoLynn also admitted that she and Russ, who had remained friends since their divorce years prior, had actually talked about Russ's relationship with Barbara. JoLynn had said that in 1983, Russ had told her that he had discovered that Barbara had been hiding bills from him and that the two were having financial trouble. Russ had discovered that Barbara had also lied about a book contract that she had told him was accepted and that would make them some money. And Russ had also discovered that Barbara had been cheating on him. Russ did contemplate leaving Barbara around that time, but according to JoLynn, he told her that he needed to stay for the two boys he had adopted, Ryan and Jason. In another conversation that the two had had much later on, Russ did tell JoLynn that he missed her and that he wished that they could get back together. But according to JoLynn, she had told him that they were much better as friends. The two's final conversation about Barbara took place in November of 1987, just three months before Russ's death. JoLynn said that Russ seemed worried about what might happen to him, and he asked JoLynn if anything happened to him, if she could look into it. Russ was concerned that he might have the same fate as Barbara's first husband, who had been shot when Barbara was home. Buchanan was shocked by what JoLynn had told him. He had no idea that Barbara Stagger had previously been married, or that her husband had died while she was home. Larry Ford had met Barbara Terry at the Appalachia State Teachers College in Boone, North Carolina. It was fall semester and she was a freshman and Larry was a sophomore. Within two months, the two would begin dating and they would marry in May of 1968 after they discovered that Barbara was pregnant. Barbara and Larry would have a small ceremony that neither of their families would know about until after the fact. And Barbara would give birth to their first son, Brian, later in 1968, eventually dropping out of school after he was born. Leary would continue his education and would work to support his growing family, which would soon include Jason, who was born in 1974. On March 22, 1978, an emergency phone call would be made from the Ford house. They would find Leary laying on his back with the covers pulled up to his chest. Leary was still lying in his striped pajamas, which were now bloodied. Leary had a small bullet hole above his right breast and a loaded clip of a semi-automatic pistol by his left hip. The pistol itself had been laying on the carpet next to the bed. The gun was a 25 caliber, semi-automatic, a gun that one of the EMTs recognized and knew wouldn't be able to fire without the clip, making it impossible that Larry had shot himself. 
According to Barbara, Larry and her had watched TV before making their way to bed. Larry, uncomfortable from a groin injury that he had suffered in Taekwondo class the day before, kept tossing and turning in bed, so Barbara returned downstairs and to the couch, where she'd eventually fall back asleep. Barbara would awaken to a loud bang upstairs, and when she went to investigate, she found Larry bleeding and gasping for air. Investigators speculated that Larry had not been able to sleep due to his injury, and so he got up to look at his new gun, the gun that the Fords had purchased the previous day. They speculated that Larry believed the gun wouldn't fire without the clip and didn't know there was a round in the chamber, and he accidentally shot himself. Before Larry was buried, his hands were wiped for gunshot residue, but the tests were not conducted until late April. When the tests were finally ran on Larry's hands, no residue was found, prompting the judge in the case to exhume Larry's body. Larry had not had an autopsy before he was buried, and so this time the medical examiner discovered some issues with the initial cause of death. According to the Emmy, the bullet that struck Larry went through his right lung and his right pulmonary artery, eventually lodging in his spine. Larry Ford died in only a few minutes from severe internal hemorrhaging. Larry's wounds indicated that he had been shot at close range. The muzzle of the gun was more than likely pressed against his chest, but unfortunately, since Larry had been embalmed and cleaned before he was autopsied, there was no proof of this indication. Although Larry Ford's case had been changed from accident to homicide, changes in the department during this time, some political and staff changes, although sources don't explain that much further, slow the investigation and the case turns cold, allowing Barbara Terry Ford to eventually meet Russ Stagger and to not be held responsible for the death of her first husband. Buchanan, upon finding out about Larry Ford, orders an autopsy on Russ Stagger and soon discovers that the bullet that hit Russ was shot from up and above and did not match Barbara's side of the story at all. As Buchanan looked into Barbara's background, he discovered that not only had she cheated on Larry, but she also cheated on Russ multiple times. Not only that, but Barbara had been lying about more than just bills. Apparently, Barbara had also been forging Russ's name on various loan applications. She wrote multiple bad checks and stole money from her drawer when she worked as a bank teller. The book that Barbara told Russ would bring them in some money was also a lie, forging the acceptance letter from the publisher and using the forged letter for collateral for yet another loan. Barbara also stood to collect $200,000 in life insurance off the death of her husband. On Monday, April 18, 1988, a grand jury indicted Barbara Stagger for first-degree murder. Prosecutors had a solid case, but they wanted to know why Barbara chose to kill Russ on that exact night, especially since he didn't seem to know the extent of Barbara's lies. When searching Russ's bank accounts, they discovered that there was one check that was out of order with the rest. The check was made out to Barbara with Russ's Ford signature on it. The check was made to pay out a late loan and was set to drop on the exact day that Russ was murdered. They then knew that Barbara murdered Russ to keep him from discovering their growing debt. In May of 1989, Barbara went on trial for the murder of Russ Stagger. During the trial, the jury was shown the reenactment tape that Barbara had done with Sergeant Buchanan. The tape showed Barbara as she kept trying to get into the position just to make it work for how Russ ended up dead. She smiled and appeared to laugh in the tape, making light of the fact that she was replaying the night her husband died. 
The jury also learned that Barbara forged two checks from Russ's account less than one day after his death, an attempt to clean the account out before it was shut down. The biggest witness in the Russ Stagger case, however, ended up being Russ Stagger. In December of 1988, one of Russ's students discovered a cassette tape hidden in the locker room after practice. Although he intended to listen to it when he got home, he soon forgot about it until a few months later. When he finally listened to the tape, he realized that the voice on the other end was that of his baseball coach, Russ Stagger. The tape, at a little over nine minutes in length, gave some details in the days before Russ's death. Shortly before his murder, Barbara had given Russ pills for his sinuses and some aspirin. On the morning of January 27, 1988, Russ woke up with pain around his eye and felt completely terrible. When Barbara attempted to give him the same pills the next night, he didn't take them. Instead, he brought them to the pharmacy. And when he spoke to the pharmacist, he soon discovered that the pills were actually sleeping pills. The tape also talks about how Russ discovered that they were missing visa bills, missing payments, and the warrants that had been served to Barbara due to missed payments. And also he mentions Barbara's affair. The defense tried to argue that it wasn't Russ on the tape, but Russ's friends and family knew that it was. And so did the jury. And in 44 minutes, Barbara Stagger was convicted of first-degree homicide. At her sentencing hearing, the jurors unanimously voted that Barbara be sentenced to death, setting her execution for July 1989. But in North Carolina, all death sentences are immediately appealed, making the date set only a formality. In August of 1991, Barbara's conviction was upheld, but she was granted new sentencing. On August 31, 1993, Barbara's death sentence was changed to life in prison. Barbara was up for parole in 2005, 2009, 2012, 2015, and most recently in 2018 on the 30th anniversary of Russ's death. She was denied every time. She currently remains in the North Carolina Correctional Institute for Women. Even now, Barbara has a couple of infractions while she's in prison, including missing work and fighting with other prisoners. Russ's mother, his ex-wife, Jolyn, Rick Buchanan, the detective on the case, and the prosecutor who worked this case as well, have all worked together to continue to keep Barbara not only behind bars, but to also keep her from getting special privileges while in prison such as extra time outside or lunches with a sponsor, which they discovered recently that she was allowed to do. Russ Stagger's ex-wife, Jolyn Snow, still advocates for the justice and the murder of Larry Ford, a man that she had never met, but she still hopes that someday Barbara can be charged for his murder as well. As always, I will link the source material for this episode in the description of this podcast. But if you wanted to watch that Forensic Files, which was a really good episode of Forensic Files, it is Season 5, Episode 14, called Broken Promises. You can also watch the Fatal Vow episode about this called No Accident. This story to me is completely heartbreaking because when I read about who Larry Ford and Russ Stagger really were as people. Um, 
it actually broke my heart an awful lot because they did not, and not that people deserve this sort of thing, but these two men were really good men, and especially Russ taking in Larry's children and adopting them and taking care of them, and to have somebody like Barbara come along and do what she did really kind of was terrible. It was absolutely terrible. And um, I do have to say, besides the fact that Larry and, and Russ were really good people, the two other people in this story that were just amazing, I want to say, was Sergeant Buchanan, who, I mean, he knew in his gut something was wrong, and he followed through when he kept kind of picking at it, even though it was ruled as an accident. And then definitely, definitely Joe Lynn Snow, what a hero she really was. She, you know, not only did she advocate for Russ Stagger, but she also now is advocating for Larry Ford, who she feels did not get the justice in this case. So I just want to say, JoLynn Snow, you're an amazing person. Way to go if you're if you're still out there somewhere. Thank you for advocating for the people who cannot speak up for themselves. If you want to discuss this case or any other case that we discuss on the podcast, go find me on that Facebook page. It is facebook.com backslash this story is nuts podcast. Join the group. We can discuss cases and other things um, throughout the week that if I find interesting, I like to share. I'm on that page an awful lot. You can also find me on the other socials such as Instagram and and Twitter. So this story is nuts on those. If you have a story for the podcast or if you want to hear something, let me know. It's this story is nuts at gmail.com. I hope to catch you back here next week for an all new episode of This Story is Nuts, which comes out as soon as midnight every single Wednesday. Until then, stay naughty, my friends. This episode of This Story is Nuts was written and produced by Missy Reese with theme music by Logan Reese off of Groovepad.